Book Two, Chapters Twenty One through Twenty Five, of Against Jovinianus by Saint Jerome. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Who is there, even of God's elect, that would not be disturbed at these and similar passages of Holy Scripture, which our crafty opponent, with a perverse ingenuity, twists to the support of his own views? The Apostle John says that many antichrists had come and to make no difference between john himself and the lowest penitent is the preaching of a real antichrist at the same time i am amazed at the portentous forms which giovianius as slippery as a snake and like another proteus so rapidly assumes in sexual intercourse and full feeding he is an epicurean in the distribution of rewards and punishments he all at once becomes a stoic he exchanges Jerusalem for Citium, and Judea for Cyprus, Christ for Zeno. If we may not depart a hair's breadth from virtue, and all sins are equal, and a man who in a fit of hunger steals a piece of bread is no less guilty than he who slays a man, we must in turn be held guilty of the greatest crimes. The case is different if you say that you have no sin, not even the least, and if, although all the apostles and prophets and all the saints, as I have maintained in dealing with this second proposition, bewail their sinfulness, you alone boast of your righteousness. But a minute ago you were barefooted. Now you not only wear shoes, but decorate ones. Just now you wore a rough coat and a dirty shirt. You were grimy and haggard, and your hand was horny with toil. Now you are clad in linen and silks and strut like an exquisite in the fashions of the atribates and the laodiceans your cheeks are ruddy your skin is sleek your hair is smoothed down in front and behind your belly protrudes your shoulders are little mountains your neck full and so loaded with fat that the half smothered words can scarce make their escape surely in such extremes of dress and mode of life there must be sin on the one side of the door or the other I will not assert that the sin lies in the food or clothing, but that such fickleness in changing for the worse is almost censurable in itself. And what we censure is far removed from virtue, and what is far removed from virtue becomes the property of vice. And what is proved to be vicious is one with sin. Now sin, according to you, is placed on the left hand and corresponds to the goats, you must therefore return to your old habits if you are to be a sheep on the right hand, or if you perversely repent of your former views and change them for others, whether you like it or not, and although you shave off your beard, you will be reckoned among the goats. But what is the good of calling a one-eyed man old one eye, and of showing the inconstancy of an assailant when we have to refute a whole series of statements? that the sheep and the goats on the right hand and on the left are the two classes of the righteous and the wicked, I do not deny. A good tree does not bring forth evil fruit, nor an evil one good fruit, no one doubts. The ten virgins also, wise and foolish, we divide into good and bad. We are not ignorant that the deluge of the righteous were delivered, and sinners overwhelmed with the waters that at Sodom and Gomorrah the just man was rescued while the sinners were consumed by fire, is clear to everyone. 
we are also aware that Egypt was stricken with the ten plagues, and that Israel was saved. Even little children in our schools sing how the righteous passed through the Red Sea, and Pharaoh with his host was drowned. That six hundred thousand fell in the desert because they were unbelieving, and that two only entered the land of promise is taught by Scripture, and so is the rest of your description of the two classes, good and bad, down to the laborers in the vineyard. But what are we to think of your assertion, that because there is a division into good and bad, the good or the bad it may be are not distinguished one from another, and that it makes no difference whether one is a ram in the flock or a poor little sheep, whether the sheep have the first or the second fleece, whether the flock is diseased and covered with the scab or full of life and vigor, especially when by the authoritative utterances of his own prophet Ezekiel, God clearly points out the difference between flock and flock of his rational sheep, saying, Behold, I judge between cattle and cattle, and between the rams and the he-goats, and between the fat cattle and the lean, because ye have thrust with side and with shoulder, and pushed all the diseased with your horns, until they were scattered abroad, and that we might know what the cattle were, he immediately added, Ye my flock, the flock of my pasture are men. Will Paul and that penitent who had lain with his father's wife be on the equal, because the latter repented and was received into the church, and shall the offender, because he is with him on the right hand, shine with the same glory as the apostle? How is it that tares and wheat grow side by side in the same field until the harvest, that is, the end of the world? What is the significance of the good and bad fish being contained in the gospel net? Why in Noah's ark, the type of the church, are there different animals with different abodes according to their rank? Why standeth the queen upon the Lord's right hand in raiment of wrought gold, in a vesture of gold? Why had Joseph, representing Christ, a coat of many colors? Why does the apostle say to the Romans, According as God had dealt to each man a measure of faith, for even as we have many members in one body, and all the members have not the same office, so we who are many are one body in Christ, and severally members one of another, and having gifts differing according to the grace that was given to us. Whether prophecy, let us prophesy according to the proportion of our faith, or ministry, let us give ourselves to our ministry, or he that teacheth to his teaching, or he that exhorteth to his exhorting. He that giveth, let him do it with liberality, he that ruleth with diligence, and so on. And elsewhere, one man esteemeth one day above another, another esteemeth every day alike. Let every man be fully persuaded in his own mind. To the Corinthians he says, I have planted, Apollos watered, but God gave the increase. So then, neither is he that planteth anything, neither he that watereth, but God that giveth the increase. Now he that planteth and he that watereth are one, and every man shall receive his own reward according to his labor. For we are laborers together with God. Ye are God's husbandry. Ye are God's building. And again elsewhere, according to the grace of God which is given unto me, as a wise master builder, I laid a foundation, and another buildeth thereon. But let each man take heed how he buildeth thereupon. For other foundation can no man lay than that which is laid, which is Jesus Christ. But if any man buildeth on the foundation 
gold, silver, costly stones, wood, hay, stubble, each man's work shall be made manifest, for the day shall reveal it, because it is revealed in fire, and the fire itself shall prove each man's work of what sort it is. If any man's work shall abide which he built thereon, he shall receive reward. But if any man's work shall be burned, he shall suffer loss. But he himself shall be saved, yet so as through fire. If the man whose work is burnt and perishes is to suffer the loss of his labor, while he himself is saved, yet not without proof of fire, it follows that if a man's work remains which he has built upon the foundation, he will be saved without probation by fire, and consequently a difference is established between one degree of salvation and another. Again, in another place he says, Let a man so account of us as of ministers of Christ and stewards of the mysteries of God. Here, moreover, it is required in stewards that a man be found faithful. Would you be assured that between one steward and another there is a great difference? I am not speaking of bad and good, but of good themselves, who stand on the right. Then listen to the sequel. Know ye not that they which minister about the sacrifices eat of the sacrifices, and they which wait upon the altar have their portion with the altar? Even so did the Lord ordain that they which proclaim the gospel should live of the gospel. But I have used none of these things. And I wrote not these things, that it may be so done in my case. For it were good for me rather to die, than that any man should make my glorying void. For if I preach the gospel, I have nothing to glory of, for necessity is laid upon me. For woe is unto me if I preach not the gospel. For if I do this of mine own will, I have a reward. But if not of mine own will, I have a stewardship entrusted to me. What then is my reward? That when I preach the gospel, I may make the gospel without charge, so as not to use the full my right in the gospel. For though I was free from all men, I brought myself under bondage to all, that I might gain the more. You surely cannot say that men commit sin by living by the gospel and partaking of the sacrifices. Of course not. The Lord himself made the rule that they who preach the gospel should live by the gospel. But an apostle who does not abuse this freedom, but labors with his hands, that he may not be a burden to anyone, and toils night and day, and ministers to his companions, of course does this, that for his greater toil he may receive a greater reward. Let us hasten to what remains. There are diversities of gifts, but the same Spirit. There are diversities of ministrations, and the same Lord. And there are diversities of operations, but the same God who worketh all things in all. But to each one is given the manifestation of the Spirit to profit with all. And again, as the body is one and hath many members, and all the members of the body, being many, are one body, so also is Christ. But he precludes you from saying that the different members of the one body have the same rank. For he immediately describes the orders of the church and says, And God has set some in the church, first apostles, secondly prophets, thirdly teachers, then miracles, then gifts of healings, helps, governments, diverse kinds of tongues. Are all apostles? Are all prophets? Are all teachers? Are all workers of miracles? Have all gifts of healing? Do all speak with tongues? 
do all interpret, but desire earnestly the greater gifts, and a still more excellent way show I unto you. And after discoursing more in detail of the graces of charity, he added, Whether there be prophecies, they shall be done away. Whether there be tongues, they shall cease. Whether there be knowledge, it shall be done away. For we know in part, we prophesy in part. But when that which is perfect is come, then that which is in part shall be done away. And afterwards we read, But now abideth faith, hope, love. These three, and the greatest of these is love. Follow after love, yet desire earnestly spiritual gifts, but rather that ye may prophesy. And again, I would have that you all speak with tongues, but rather that ye should prophesy. And greater is he that prophesieth than he that speaketh with tongues. And again, I thank God I speak in tongues more than you all. Where there are different gifts, and one man is greater, another less, and all are called spiritual. They are all certainly sheep, and they stand on the right hand. But there is a difference between one sheep and another. It is humility that leads the Apostle Paul to say, I am the least of the apostles, that I am not meet to be called an apostle, because I persecuted the church of God. But by the grace of God I am what I am. And his grace, which was bestowed upon me, was not found vain, but I labored more abundantly than they all. Yet not I, but the grace of God which was with me. But the very fact of his thus humbling himself shows the possibility of there being apostles of higher or lower rank, and God is not unjust that he will forget the work of him who is called the chosen vessel of election, and who labored more abundantly than they all or assign equal rewards to unequal deserts. Afterwards we read, As in Adam all die, so also in Christ shall all be now alive, but each in his own order. If each is to rise in his own order, it follows that those who rise are of different degrees of merit. All flesh is not the same flesh, but there is one flesh of men, and another flesh of beasts, and another flesh of birds, and another of fishes. There are also celestial bodies and bodies terrestrial, but the glory of the celestial is one, and the glory of the terrestrial is another. There is one glory of the sun, and another glory of the moon, and another glory of the stars. For the one star differeth from another star in glory, so also is the resurrection of the dead. Like a learned commentator, you have explained this passage by saying that the spiritual differ from the carnal. It follows that in heaven there will be both spiritual and carnal persons, and not only will the sheep climb thither, but your goats also. One star, he says, differeth from another star in glory. This is not the distinction of sheep and goat, but of sheep and sheep, star and star. Lastly, he says, there is one glory of the sun and another glory of the moon. But for this you might maintain that the phrase, one star from another star, covers the whole human race. But he introduces the sun and moon, and you cannot possibly reckon them among the goats. So, says he, is also the resurrection of the dead. The just will shine with the brightness of the sun, and those of the next rank will glow with the splendor of the moon. So that one will be a Lucifer, another an Arcturus a third in Orion, another Mazaruth, 
or some other of the stars whose names are hollowed in the book of Job. For we all, he says, must be made manifest before the judgment seat of Christ, that each one may receive the things done in the body according to what he hath done, whether it be good or bad. And you cannot say that the mode of our manifestation before the judgment seat of Christ is such that the good receive good things and the bad evil things. For he teacheth us in the same epistle that he who soweth sparingly shall reap also sparingly, and he that soweth bountifully shall reap also bountifully. Surely he who sows more and he who sows less are both on the right side, and although they belong to the same class, that of the sower, yet they differ in respect of measure and number. The same Paul, writing to the Ephesians, says, To the intent that now unto the principalities and the powers in the heavenly places might be made known through the church the manifold wisdom of God. You observe that it is a varied and manifold wisdom of God which is spoken of as existing in the different ranks of the church. And in the same epistle we read, Unto each one of us was the grace given according to the measure of the grace of Christ. Not that Christ's measure varies, but only that so much of his grace is poured out as we can receive. In vain, therefore, do you multiply instances of sheep and goats, and of the five wise and of the five foolish virgins, of Egyptians and Israelites, and so forth, because retribution is not in the present, but will be in the future. Hence we find that the day of judgment is promised at the end of all things, because the judgment is not now. For it would be absurd to call the last day the day of judgment, if God were judging at the present time. Now we sail the ship, wrestle and fight, that at last we may reach the haven, be crowned in triumph. But you, with no less adroitness, and perversity make the life of this world illustrate that of the world to come although we know full well that here unrighteousness prevails there righteousness until we go into the sanctuary of god and understand the end of those men the saint does not die one way the sinner another those who sail the same sea have the same calm and storm a violent death is not one thing to the robber another to the martyr Children are not born one way of adultery and prostitution, and another of pure marriage. Certainly our Lord and the robbers incurred the same penalty of crucifixion. If the judgment of this world and of that which is to come be the same, it follows that they who were here crucified side by side will also be esteemed of equal rank hereafter. Paul and they who bound him sailed together, endured the same storm, escaped together to the shore when the ship was broken with the waves. You cannot deny that the prisoner and the keepers were of unequal merit. And what were the circumstances of that same shipwreck of the apostle and the soldiers? The apostle Paul afterwards related a vision and said that they who were with him in the ship had been given to him by the Lord. Are we to suppose that he to whom they were given, and they who were given to him, were of one degree of merit. Ten righteous men can save a sinful city. Lot together with his daughters was delivered from the fire. His sons-in-law would also have been saved, had they been willing to leave the city. Now there was surely a great difference between Lot and his sons-in-law. 
one city out of the five. Zoar was saved, and a place which lay under the same sentence as Sodom and Gomorrah, Edma and Zeboim, was preserved by the prayers of a holy man. Lot and Zoar were of different merits, but both of them escaped the fire. The robbers who, in the absence of David, had laid waste Ziklag and made a prey of the wives and children of the inhabitants were slain on the third day in the field, but forty men mounted on camels fled. Will you maintain that there were some difference between those who were slain and those who made good their escape? We read in the Gospel that the Tower of Siloam fell upon eighteen men who perished in the ruins. Certainly our Savior did not regard them as the only sinners, but they were punished to terrify the rest. It was like scourging a pestilent fellow to teach fools wisdom. If all sinners are punished alike, it is unjust for one to be slain, while another is admonished by his comrade's death. You raise the objection that all Israelites had the same measure of manna and omer, and were alike in respect of dress and hair and beard and shoes, as though we did not all alike partake of the body of Christ. In the Christian mysteries, there is one means of sanctification for the master and the servant, the noble and the lowborn, for the king and his soldiers. And yet, that which is one varies according to the merits of those who receive it. Whosoever shall eat or drink unworthily shall be guilty of the body and blood of the Lord. Does it follow that because Judas drank of the same cup as the rest of the apostles, that he and they are of equal merit? But suppose that we do not choose to receive the sacrament. At all events, we all have the same life, breathe the same air, have the same blood in our veins, are fed on the same food. Moreover, if our vivens are improved by culinary skill and are made more palatable for the, for the consumer, food of this kind does not satisfy nature, but tickles the appetites. We are all alike subject to hunger, all alike suffer with cold. We all alike are shriveled with the frost, or melted with the broiling heat. The sun and the moon, and all the company of the stars and showers, the whole world run their course for us all alike. And as the gospel tells us, the same refreshing rain falls upon all, good and bad, just and unjust. If the present is a picture of the future, then the sun of righteousness will rise upon sinners as well as upon the righteous, upon the wicked and the holy, upon the heathen as well as upon Jews and Christians. Though the scripture says, Unto you that fear the Lord shall the Son of Righteousness arise. If he will rise to those that fear, he will set to the despisers and the false prophets. The sheep which stand on the right hand will be brought into the kingdom of heaven, the goats will be thrust down to hell. The parable does not contrast the sheep one with another, or, on the other hand, the goats, but merely makes a difference between sheep and goats. The whole truth is not taught in a single passage. We must always bear in mind the exact point of an illustration. For instance, the ten virgins are not examples of the whole human race, but of the careful and the slothful. The former are ever anticipating the advent of the Lord. The latter abandon themselves to idle slumber without a thought of the future judgment. And so at the end of the parable it is said, 
watch for ye know not the day nor the hour if at the deluge noah was delivered and the whole world perished all men were flesh and therefore were destroyed you must either say that the sons of noah and noah for whose sake they were delivered were of unequal merit you must place the accursed ham in the same rank as his father because he was delivered with him from the flood at the passion of christ all wavered all were unprofitable together there was none that did good no not one will you therefore dare to say that peter and the rest of the apostles who fled denied the saviour in the same sense as caiaphas and the pharisees and the people who cried out crucify him crucify him and to say no more about the apostles do you think that ananias and caiaphas and judas the traitor guilty of no greater crime than pilate who was compelled against his will to give sentence against our lord the guilt of judas is proportioned to his former merit and the greater the guilt the greater the penalty too for the mighty shall mightily suffer torment an evil tree does not bear good fruit nor a good tree evil fruit if this be so tell me how it was that paul though he was an evil tree and persecuted the church of christ afterwards bore good fruit and judas though he was a good tree and wrought miracles like the other apostles afterwards turned traitor and brought forth evil fruit the truth is that a good tree does not bear evil fruit nor an evil tree good fruit as long as they continue in their goodness or badness and if we read that every hebrew keeps the same passover and that in the seventh year every prisoner is set free and that at jubilee that is the fifteenth year every possession returns to its owner all this refers not to the present but to the future for being in bondage during the six days of this world on the seventh day the true and eternal sabbath we shall be free at any rate if we wish to be free while still in bondage in the world if however we do not desire it our ear will be bored in token of our disobedience and together with our wives and children whom we prefer to liberty that is with the flesh and its works we shall be in perpetual slavery end of book two chapters twenty one through twenty five